Welcome into another edition of the Deep Sand Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu, and uh, today we take a look at some of the nuances of attending a Texans game. And by nuances, I mean pretty much the whole thing because there's a lot that goes into a game, and we're talking about the things that are not included with the actual play on the field. I'm talking about everything from the home field advantage captain, the halftime performance, the entertainment on the field, the games that you see on the video board to keep fans engaged. All of that is basically a performance, a show, and it gets put on every single week. It's a live show with what you would call a conductor, like a conductor at an orchestra. And the conductor for Texans game day is director of marketing, Jackie Maldonado. A lot of things that she does every single Sunday. She's under a lot of, I mean, I would be stressed out if I had her job, but she makes sure everything's rolling as smooth as possible. We get into some of her biggest challenges of uh, working a Texans game and, and getting things organized, the timing of it all, the nuances, whether you're winning or losing, how things change. And also she tells some pretty good stories about when things went wrong, but as a fan, you would have never noticed because that's also her job is to make sure that, hey, the show must still go on. So she's full of great stories, full of energy, which I think you absolutely have to have in this job, directing a team of people. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've done some halftime stuff with her. I've been on the video board for preseason. I have been on the field uh, working a, a memory game during fan appreciation day. So. I've got to work with her firsthand on everything that goes into that. And just my one element alone, I'm always stressed that it goes off without a hitch. And that's just one aspect of her job. But it's something that she's been doing for a long time. She's done it for a lot of different organizations. And uh, she gets into how she got started. So, kids, if you're out there listening and you think, hey, this might be a cool career path, you definitely want to listen to this, this interview with Jackie Maldonado. And also, adults, if you're listening and you already have your career path. But, hey, you're just curious as to... What goes behind the scenes? You know, we're going to peel back the curtain and let you take a look at what happens at a professional sporting event because I also got her take on the Super Bowl halftime show. That's a production in itself. And so as someone in the industry that does it, we get her take on that as well and everything that goes into something on that big stage. All right, but first, with Xfinity Texans fans, the coverage of XFi can't be beat. You can stream your team all season long on every in-home device, no matter where you watch. This is Beyond Wi-Fi. This is XFi. Xfinity, proud partner of the Houston Texans and proud partner of this podcast. So let's get right to it. Let's get into Jackie Maldonado's role here at the Houston Texans. Here she is. Take a listen. All right, joining us this week on the Deep Slam podcast presented by Xfinity, our guest, Jackie Maldonado. Jackie works here at the Houston Texans. She's the director of marketing, which I I saw that title and I'm like, yes, you're the director of marketing, but I don't even feel like that fully encompasses like your what you do in this building because you do a lot of different things. So I for people that are listening that don't know you and don't work with you every day, tell me what your job entails. Um, you know what? That has been a challenge for me. That title, I absolutely love the title because it's, a great it's just title. it's it's you know, it's holistic. It's great. Director of marketing, that means a lot. But they're then they're like, Oh, so advertising and ads and marketing campaigns. I'm like, Yeah, I don't do that. I'm like, well, what do you do? Right. <laughs> um, marketing means something very different to people yes. in marketing. I used to work in marketing. Yeah. So people kn- people are like, Oh, marketing, I know what that is, but I don't feel like I feel like you do a lot more than just marketing, right? right. Um, which is great. It keeps me busy. My keeps me busy. Um, so I oversee game presentation, 
for the Texans. Also under my umbrella, I've got a couple teammates. I've got Brett Stewart, who leads the initiatives with youth and high school football platforms. And we have 12 plus uh, football platforms. And then I've got Ashley on my team, Ashley Alspaugh, who um, oversees our fan clubs, um, develops new fan development, um, leads the charge for events. So aside from game presentation, it's game presentation, it's youth and high school football, it's fan clubs, it's fan club events, it's events, it's fan development, it's grassroots activations. So all of this kind of falls under uh, this bubble. I know. I feel like you are the queen of events around here. You're always... And now let's start with the game presentation. So game presentation is the actual game that the Texans play here at home. It's a presentation because there's so many different elements. There's there's a um, the home field advantage captain. There's the halftime performance. There's all the little games and entertainment things that you see on the video board throughout the game. You are in charge of those every single week. And I want to say that is, is the hardest part of that just booking outside talent for these games or is it timing things out so that you're off the field and on the field yeah. when you need to be? Every game is different. Every game is different. Um, so I would be really naive to think that I could do this all by myself. And I'm not. I recognize that, right? So we've got a really cool team. I'm just lucky to be part of the team that brings game presentation to life. So first of all, what is that? What is game prize? Game prize is everything that happens on the football field that aren't the actual plays. So fans may or may not even know that we're doing our jobs, you know, and that's good. If fans don't recognize that we're right. doing our jobs, then we're doing our jobs well, right? The moment that a fan's like, what just happened on the field? Or what song was that? Or, ooh, they forgot the microphone. Turn the microphone on. And that's when fans recognize mm. our job. Um, so part of the Game Prize team includes Gavin Garrett and his, and his team, um, Kenny and Tom. And all of us are working this, like, masterpiece together. Um, it's live entertainment, which is absolutely amazing and um, stressful uh, yeah but i, I love it it's fast paced you've got to think fast on your feet yeah. you can have your run of show ready to go you can time out every second of the game which we do our run of show times out from the time doors open to the last pa read post game and everything in between everything is scripted um but because it is live entertainment, we just need to be ready to go with game flow, right? We might be ready to go with this really cool um, dance for your dinner presented by yeah. Hearsay, right? But um, let's say we just had a really bad play on the field, right? Our, t- our fans aren't really into it. We can't go to this sure. dance cam. We got to adjust accordingly. Or if a player goes down, opposing team visiting, a visiting team player goes down, um, burns one of our breaks, TV goes to commercial. We can't do anything in stadium out of respect for the player on the field, so we got to stay silent. We come back, and now we're one time out short. So now we have to restructure everything mm-hmm. in that run of show to make sure that um, our breaks are entertaining. So you might go into a game having this perfect run of show ready to go. You might have the timeouts timed out perfectly. The flow might be exactly what you want, but then the game starts, and then you have to adjust. It, um, is, is it... Does it ever happen where you have your run of show and either you've used up all your elements too early or you've gone through the run of show and, oh, my gosh, there were like five things that we didn't even get to? Has that ever happened? It's always B, never A. <laughs> it's never really? been, hey, we've blown through things. We have nothing else to do. It's usually opposite. So things that factor into um, our timeouts, uh, things that get affected, 
could be scoring drives, which is great for us. Deshaun's absolutely amazing. He puts up big numbers, Mm -hmm. scores touchdowns. That's great. But when he scores a touchdown, we go into break. And you've got, let's paint the picture, right? Touchdown happens, thunderstruck plays. That is our theme song. As soon as touchdown, ha- as soon as a touchdown happens, mm-hmm. you'll hear, "You've been thunderstruck," <laughs> right? And there you yes. go. We go with thunderstruck. If I hear that song actually outside of the stadium, you're like, "What I do you feel like Someone's who scored, who scored okay. the touchdown. Agreed. That's <laughs> ours. That is our touchdown. Yes. Uh, touchdown song. Touchdown. Uh, thunderstruck hits. We wait for uh, the extra point. Extra point is good. You now hear God Bless Texas. Mm-hmm. God Bless Texas is playing. Toro's flag crews running the field with the flags across the field. Um, God Bless Texas is happening while Mark Vandermeer's play-by-play of that scoring drive is happening. Um, yeah, that, fans that are celebrating. That plays throughout the stadium. That's exactly it's like right. like a recap. Okay. Yep, it's a mm-hmm. recap. Plays throughout the stadium. Um, fans are cheering. Fans are high-fiving. Well, we've already gone into break. Breaks mm. are two minutes and 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. We had a full two minutes and 10 seconds already scripted. So touchdown happens, celebration happens, scoring drive happens, time is ticking, and now we're already behind going into the elements that we have scripted, which is okay. We don't want to force any of that stuff in. We'll do whatever makes sense for the moment. We'll, we'll do whatever makes sense from um, home field advantage perspective make sure the fans stay engaged make make sure the fans are having fun and then we'll adjust on the back end so we get the variables we get hit with are touchdown scores we'll lose timing because of the touchdown scores because you want to celebrate um a replay if officials go to a replay um tv takes a timeout but we're waiting for the official to come back from the under the hood review we can't do anything on field that burns our timeout sure or if a player goes down, player goes down, TV goes to timeout, there goes our break, and we have to adjust. <laughs> Typically, when it's one of our players, which we don't like happening, we're like, get up, get up, get up, 30 seconds, great, all right, let's go to the next break. <laughs> and if it's a player who goes down from opposing team and they're down forever, you're like, no, we're sorry that you're hurt, but please get up because we need to get into our timeout and get all of these elements in. <laughs> it's super stressful. I, w- I was part of the halftime show back in week 17. You had the memory game, and mm-hmm. I know Drew Doherty does this all the time, the, the fun games that you do. And, I mean, I was stressed out. All I had to do was show up. I had the cute. You handed me cards. <laughs> the game was already there. You were directing all the elements. We did a run-through a few times before the game. Yep. And then I thought, this is so stressful because halftime is just such a limited amount of time, and yep. you've never seen – uh, you know, TV coming back from the halftime break and, oh, they're still in the middle of this memory game on the field. Like, yeah. it has to hurry up, but the game has to end because you can't cut it short. So is halftime um, down to, like, a science for you guys, or is that still very much a moving target? Because it seems like every week you've got a different – you've got something different lined up for halftime. Yeah. Um, every game every game is different. Every halftime show is different. Um, everything is rehearsed. Um, we're not going to put anything on the field that we don't know exact timing from the time we take the field to the time that it ends. How long does that halftime show take? And it varies game to game, but we typically like keeping our halftime shows from start to finish between six and a half and seven minutes total. Um, we're at ease when we turn the field over to football ops mm-hmm. with five minutes on the clock, but NFL rule is three minutes on the clock. So it is oh. an NFL rule that you have to turn the field back over to your I didn't to know that. football ops with three minutes on the clock where you can get you can get fined for it. Um, so you give yourself an extra two-minute cushion even Just in case. Yeah, okay. just in case. Um, and things are happening simultaneously, right? So we go to halftime break, and we've got our deck show with 
uh, Drew and Chester at halftime. So we'll go to the deck. And as they're going over the first half, you have us setting stuff up on on field. field. So things are happening simultaneously. And we do that intentionally, right? Because we don't want really, we don't want our fans seeing what's happening on the field. We want to distract them with what's happening on the video (laughs) board, right? So they're looking at the video board and they're getting these half, uh, first half highlights and all as all that's happening, we're setting up on the field. And then once we say, all right, we're ready to go, then Drew throws it over to our PA announcer and then PA announcer draws everyone's attention down in the field and now we're ready to go. So, um, yeah, but everything is, it, man, what I love about game presentation is that it truly is a team effort to make one element come to life. It, it's a well-oiled machine, and I don't think it came to fruition as much as it did a few years ago during, as, as when I saw the very first Ring of Honor ceremony with Andre Johnson because it wasn't just oh, here's Andre Johnson, we're going to induct him, speech, speech, here you go, present the jacket. It was, you guys had ambassadors um, from, you know, from all the years that Andre had played, lining the field. You had all yeah. these different people that had to be in their spots. You had Mark Vandermeer who had to come, and he tells that he loves telling this story. <laughs> from the, pre- he didn't want to miss a single play, so he yeah. needed his own escort. Talk about from, stressful. From, from the press box to the elevator <laughs> down to the field to make it on the field, and then not be out of breath. And he always gives you a lot of credit for that because you're the one that sort of sets everything up. Was that the most stressful, I guess, halftime show? Because it was such an important event. And then, of course, you followed up with the Ring of Honor with Mr. McNair, which it seemed like, could this get any bigger? It just did, and you've you've only done it one other time in history. Right. That was a moment in time where it was was really surreal. And um, stressful, I would... uh, I don't know if it was stressful, but it was more of I totally understood what we were doing and how important this was right. to our franchise. Like, this was the first inductee into our newly Texans ring of honor, and we just had to get it right. And of all people, it was Andre Johnson. Like, wow, what an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like, it was one of those, like, holy crap, pinch me. Is this real? I get the opportunity to work with a team to induct Andre Johnson into the Texans ring of honor. This is cool. It's not very screwed first, up. Very first <laughs> ever, ever into yeah. the ring of honor. So you, you had a funny story, actually, the next year oh, with yeah. Mr. McNair. And I, 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 I have to get to this before I forget. Um, the night before, you guys okay. were, were rehearsing, and you told me this story in the elevator the day of the Ring of Honor ceremony. Why don't, do, you, do you remember what I'm talking about? There was yes. a, a big picture frame. That, my palms are sweating right now just <laughs> reliving it. Just you telling me that story the next day of, like, sort of the, the small things that happened behind the scene that could go wrong. Yeah. And no one even knows. Um, but, you know... The picture, the picture frame, yeah, Mr. McNair ceremony. It was, it was his picture, correct? It was, um, it was the frame, um, that we were inducting his red blazer with. So now, when we inducted Andre Johnson to the Ring of Honor, oh, okay, the, it was the ceremonial red blazer. That's what was inducting him, and that's what was going to be the symbol moving forward for anyone else that's going to be inducted into the Ring of Honor is this red blazer. So, um. Mr. McNair's Ring of Honor, as mentioned, we rehearse everything with big time halftime shows that are really important that we just we just can't afford to um, we're going to make mistakes, but we just can't afford to not see the unforeseeable. We have uh, the rehearsal the night before. So we have rehearsals on Saturday, but Sunday game, we have rehearsal on Saturdays and then we rehearse again on Sunday. We do it all over again. So Saturday night we were rehearsing for Mr. McNair's Ring of Honor on Sunday and uh, we had gone through multiple run-throughs on field, t- 
timing how long it was going to take the stage to set up, where, you know, setting the red carpet, where the chair is going to be, where are Mr. McNair's family members going to be sitting on the stage, where are we going to put the painting that Mrs. McNair was going, that we were going to gift Mrs. McNair, and then where is this, the, the prize element, like the focus of the Ring of Honor was this framed red blazer that was going to go into the president, uh, into our owner suite. Um, so we got all of the placement right. We went through our timing of um, Mark's speech and um, Mrs. McNair's speech and Cal's speech and movement on and off the stage and easels. And man, we were, we were in a solid place. It was probably 10 p.m. that night. And we ran it again just to make sure that our stagehands and our staff all had their placements and timing was just ready. So um, we start from the top. I cue the stages to come out and they come on from like opposite ends of the field. So the stage is rolling on from opposite ends of the state, from opposite ends of the field, and they lock in a position right at midfield. And as the, the, one of the staff members was locking the stage in a position, he was doing it all in a hurry, right? Because we have about a minute and a half to set up all so of it. So he's doing the run-through of he's, locking the stage yep. one final time the night before yeah. the Ring of Honor ceremony. And, um, as he's doing that, he's doing everything in a hurry. Um, safety first, but we do everything in a hurry, right? And he's locking it, and he's moving, and I'm calling out, all right, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And as this is happening, all we hear is a big old mm. big old crash. And everyone just stopped. And he looks at me, and he's like, I effed up. I effed up. Oh, my God. This is all my fault. This is all my fault. And I was like, um, what happened? So you just heard something. You didn't all know we heard was. was the crash. Okay. I knew at that point what it was. It was glass breaking. There's no, like, that's what happened, right? Oh, yeah. So I look over to the stage, and the, the frame had been draped with, like, black draping because it was this whole unveil, right? So when it's on stage, it has this black this black cover over it and then when we cue it there's this you know dramatic reveal of the red blazer and yeah, it's a presentation right? it's a presentation yeah. right um so we peek over that black drape and that the glass was shattered everywhere all oh like a lot everywhere. like a lot of pieces oh like tiny itty bitty pieces that were within the blazer it was oh, just okay. it was done for by this time it's like 10 30 11 o'clock at night um it's a noon kick our first rehearsal starts at 8 o'clock in the morning the next day. How the hell? <laughs> in my well, head, I'm like, oh, how are we going to fix this? And this it's a is large, the focal point. It's a large frame. And if anyone's ever had anything framed, you know, it's, it's not like they can make a custom frame very quickly. However, yeah. the yeah. next day, it's yeah, perfectly one-piece framed red blazer. Sure was. Lots of, lots of phone calls. And it was one of those, like, okay, it happened. Now let's troubleshoot. Let's just fix it. Let's, let's just fix it. I mean, it. I think that's one of the most amazing things about what you do is that you, you've timed everything out. The things that you thought might go wrong, you've got that, un, you know, lockdown. But then the unforeseeable inevitably happens. Because right. you can't you can't predict what could possibly go wrong in any situation. Um, but, you know, no, no one's the wiser. It was, it was yeah. a great presentation. What did you think when you watched the Super Bowl halftime show? Because that is an extensive Halftime show. Oh, absolutely. It was a lot of elements. And obviously it was here a few yeah. years ago. I don't know if 
um, you know, what, what you think when you when you watch a halftime show? Are you watching Super it from, from like your vantage point as <laughs> as someone who is a director of marketing? Yeah, Super Bowl for me is all about the halftime show, and it's like, oh wait, hold on, there's a game playing, right? There's like two teams playing. I mean, you're not you're not you're not not you're not very different from a lot of people who watch the game. I, that I look forward to pregame. I can't wait to see who's performing. Sure. You know. Um, God bless America or America the Beautiful, right? Or who's performing the national anthem national. and how they mm-hmm. do. What's the presentation there? And then obviously halftime. Um, Ricky Kirshner produces su- the Super Bowl halftime shows and he's been doing it for decades. Uh, he is a genius. Like he's my Michael Jordan. When people ask me like, who, who's who's your role model? Who you look, to, look up to? Like who's your celebrity? Ricky Kirshner is my So Ricky Kirshner is the, he dire- he does the halftime show for the NFL. Uh, Super for Bowl. Super Bowls. For yeah. Super Bowls. And mm-hmm. he's done it like. For at least the last 10 plus years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So since you've been in this job, he's been doing it. Oh, he's been doing Yeah. Okay. I didn't yeah. know that. He's a, he's absolutely amazing. And what I was really looking I was most interested about for this halftime show. Um, we were challenged this year uh, to not use pyro, so the NFL because, banned pyro because from of us. the Titans. Their field yeah. caught on fire. And I was actually really season. happy when they went on to the playoffs and they lost. I was like, "Yes, you guys do not deserve to win because we can't <laughs> use pyro because of you guys. Nobody you lose. Nobody can use fire. Or mm. I mean, it makes sense when you think about it because it's really yeah, but it was uh, it was faulty. It, and it was the same company. It happened twice. Oh, I see. It, it happened twice in the NFL and once in St. Louis, once with the Titans, and both times it was the same company. So as okay. opposed to all of us having to, you know, suffer without pyro, like <laughs> ban that one company. But I think you but guys anyway. did a, a wonderful so, job with the, the, the lights out, um, some of the night games. We, you know, we've we've accommodated for not yeah. having pyro. Yeah. I, I think uh Gavin and his team did a great job with coming up with the cryo hits that we had. But I was really interested in that halftime show. Like, what are they going to do? Like, how? what are these special effects going to be that are going to limit them? Usually you look at either Super Bowl halftime shows and there's pyro here and there's pyro there. And, oh, my gosh, and it's so flashy. And I was thinking, is the NFL going to hold themselves to the same, like, was, rule that we have? What, was there was there pyro or fire in that? There was, but they stayed within the same rule that um, they okay. gave all 32 clubs, right? So all 32 clubs still have uh, the option sh- to shoot pyro off the stadium, which is what uh, Ricky Kirshner did. Off the stage, uh, you mean? Off the stadium. Oh, off the outside yeah, of the like stadium. Outside of the stadium. Yeah, like outside of the stadium. Yeah. So... Uh, clubs are still allowed to do that. They just can't use pyro on the field. Okay. So at the halftime show, for the Super Bowl halftime show this year, I was like, what are they going to do for those special effects? And what Ricky did and um, you didn't miss his them. team is just I, amazing. I, I didn't even right? miss the fact that, I mean, when you bring it and up that's now. What's, that's what's so amazing about him. You it with other things. Like, that's what makes him so creative. And instead of going pyro, he went lasers. He went yeah. lights. He went dancing and flashy. Like, it was so cool. Well, you didn't even miss the pyro. How about that? It was it was very Miami, so I thought that was part of the look they were going yeah. for. Okay, for you, you seem, you're so passionate about this. Is this something that you always thought you would do? I know you grew up in Laredo, Texas. Mm-hmm. Did you think, oh, one day I'm going to work for a professional <laughs> sports organization? Because you were also with the Rockets before you got here. Yeah. So yeah, is this yeah. something that you had sort of had set in your mind or did life just sort of bring you to this point in your career? Um, 
I knew that I wanted to work in game presentation in college. You did? I did. Did you yeah. do it in college? Um, I, w- I volunteered for an organization called the Aggie Angels, and we were the support group for the men's basketball team. Okay. And we picked contestants, and we helped with player intros, and we came up with contests, and we came up, came up with um, promotions to get um, students to, to the, the arena. And I didn't realize until after I graduated that that was a career. And what I loved doing was a profession. Mm. So uh, after I realized that, it took me a while. It was like my senior year in college. And I was like, you can, you can have a career in this? This is amazing. I think that's the best way to pick a career is to define something that you love so much that yeah. you think – I would be so lucky if I could do this for a job for the rest of my life. A thousand percent. I tell yeah. people this all the time. I, 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 I love what I do, and I love who I do it with. Right. Kids going into college these days, I think we're so fixated on, what's your career path? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do this or this? Whereas, you know, you got to find that thing that you love. And, and a lot of times people don't find it till later on in life. Or maybe it's there and you just it never occurred to you, like yeah. with you, yourself. Oh, this is actually a career. Okay, so then how did you end up with the Rockets? I was actually with the Spurs before that. You were? Yeah, I was with the Spurs for a couple of seasons. Um, My first year with the Spurs, we won the championship. Okay. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. You were sports. (laughs) Like, I get a championship ring. You go to the finals, and you get this experience. Like, oh, it's so great working in sports. Um, Worked for the Spurs for a couple years, and then um, got the opportunity to work with the Rockets. Um... And my first year with the Rockets, we didn't have the best season. So I was like, wait, what happened? Like, when I was with the Spurs, we went to the finals. Like, we won a championship. What, and then, what was the first year you were with the Rockets? It was 2006. Okay. So how, how different is it when you're working for a team that's not having a winning season versus a winning season? How does that change the game presentation? For us, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because you still have to motivate That's fans absolutely to right. get into it. But, I mean, I would think if you're – well, basketball is different because it changes so quickly. But mm-hmm. in a football game – if you're losing, does that change your game presentation? Like your da- dance for your dinner? Like maybe yeah. what if people are not in the mood to dance? Right. If they're stressed about the game or your team is losing. Right. We do try to be strategic from um, a scripting perspective, like when we do certain things. So um, our run of show specifically is really heavy um, on the first half, trying to get a lot of the stuff in that may not play mm. as well in the second half sure. because of you never because know. of score. Right. So we try to keep ourselves, especially in the fourth quarter, we try to keep ourselves really flexible um, because game flow may affect how fans want to engage with you. However, that being said, game presentation is game presentation. Right. So it is our job to make sure that we're creating the environment, we're creating the home field advantage and that fans are having fun regardless of the score, because we don't have we don't have any control of that. What we do have control of is making sure that our fans come to the game and they have a good time. Whether they win or lose, there's some sort of moment that they enjoyed. It was some sort of mm. like funny haha that they saw on the video board. It was a cute little like kiss cam, or it was a really fun or engaging on field promotion, or they enjoyed the halftime show. Like we want there to be something that someone, no matter what seat you're in or who you are, there's something about the show that you're going to enjoy, regardless of the score. I love that. I think that's I think that's a that's that that's all you can do as being someone that presents the game to fans because you have no control over the outcome of the game yeah. who wins or loses. They're going to have fun if they win. They're going to be unhappy if your team loses, but you know, to make the, the experience fun is is something that is sustainable at least in your profession. Yeah. All right. What does the off season look like for you? <sighs> planning. So, off season is nothing but brainstorming and planning and being creative and 
this is the part that gets me super excited. Like right now, we're already having brainstorming sessions to talk about what do hot timeouts look like versus progressions on defense? How do we continue to create the home field advantage? Um, what are we going to do from a halftime perspective? What artists do we want out? It's budgeting Ooh. time right now. So it's like really trying to think through the entire season and what what acts we want coming in for a halftime uh, next season. And I so, got to say, you've got a pretty impressive Rolodex. Of stars in there. I mean, you you know a lot of a lot of very famous people. Um, uh, it's been fun. I don't know if so. I don't really know them. I work with them. It's one of those like, oh yeah, we know Jackie for the day. And then if I try to go like, that's, hey, what's up, Lil John? They can be like, who? That's knowing. If I've interviewed someone, I know them. It goes down as I know them. We're friends. Yeah, Every right? year we chatted. Yeah. We're good. We're good I'm like, like that. Okay, we work together. We're gonna be friends on Insta. What's what? What can you tell us about 2020? Can you tell us anything about the 2020 season so far? What fans have to look forward to? Um, we're still in the planning stage. So it's a little too early to share anything, but um, we are targeting a couple of national recording artists coming back this year. So from a halftime perspective, we're working hard on finding some artists that are, our fans are really going to enjoy. Um, we, uh, uh, we're looking at a local artist that maybe we can um, collaborate with and mm. have him bring some excitement to the field. So you guys stay tuned. We've already had conversations with him, and he's really excited about jumping on board for our um, halftime roster this year. Um, and then as far as our show is concerned, uh, every every year we look to have our, our, our show be either engaging or entertaining. And 2020 isn't going to change that. Our focus from uh, on-field promotions to in-stadium to video board elements – we want we want an everything to fall under an engaging or entertaining bucket and and it is our challenge to make sure that fans come to the game and feel like it's a fresh game mm-hmm. game after game and not like hey we came to game 1 and we came to game 8 and it was the exact same thing right we want them to have different experiences every time that they're here well i love that you you guys really appeal to the the Houston fan base with bringing people like Simone Biles Hakeem Olajuwon um, oh, those know. are my homies. Okay, those are those, my friends. Those oh, are your yeah, friends. Yeah, Simone, I love that's my that you, girl. <laughs> I love that you do that because I think it, it helps, you know, sports crosses a lot of different fields. And I, and I remember I got a lot of uh, comments on a, pic, a picture that I had posted with Simone Biles. People really? that don't normally watch football because she has garnered so much respect around the world. Yeah. So I love that, you know, we've got fans of the Houston Texans that are also people are fans of them and, and you're able to collaborate with all these people. I got to say, if you ever bring Travis Scott back though, I know I would oh. love to do a pregame interview. I know we, that we story was crazy too. We, we, real quick. You brought back, you, you bring Travis Scott here, which who is someone that you, that the, that the city wants to collaborate yeah. with. Obviously he's a hometown um, sports fan and, and he was here a few years ago for the playoff game. He was a home field advantage captain did not perform because you were just starting to build that right. relationship. Right. So that hopefully when in the future, when he's not on tour, he can get back yeah. and perform. I was supposed to interview him for the you pregame. Were. I actually still have the questions, <laughs> and Tyler Marcotte can vouch for me. I still have the questions I was going to ask and him. And he was supposed to come. I was he, gonna, that you were on his schedule. I was supposed to interview him. I love Travis Scott. I love all of his music. I still have the questions. And he flew in from another destination and went home. Before to pick he, up his car. To pick up his car, which was not close to NRG nope. Stadium. Nowhere near. As a Houston native, he should know that you can't go way up here. That's exactly To the right. north side of town and then, yeah. and then cut through traffic uh, during a game day. So anyway, he, he did make it seconds. Seconds before like, he ran out the field. Like literally 20 seconds before we introduced him. So much so. And 
we feel bad about this, but Andre's our homie and he totally understood and we told him why this was all happening. But we had Andre Johnson lined up in the tunnel. We had two graphic packages, we had two PAs just in case. Again, we it's all about preparation. There's <laughs> a plan A and a plan B. So well, plan was, A was Travis, plan B was Andre was just B. in case. So we had photos, we had video graphic packages, we had PA. Travis was in route. We were FaceTiming and I was like, get here. I remember we this. are minutes away. And he's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. So 30 seconds out, he's still not in the tunnel. He's 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 not even in the loading dock. So Andre so, Johnson is loaded in the tunnel so to be our home field advantage. David captain. Brady, who's announcing the home field advantage captain, like you have to be able to communicate yep. to him. Seconds. Um, this is who's coming out and not yeah. this person. Okay, right. so now you're 30 seconds out. No, no Travis. No yet. sign of Travis. So right now we're like Andre Johnson. It's Andre. He's got- in the tunnel. He's loaded. He's ready to go. Graphics are on standby. PA's on standby. We're getting ready to cue him out. And um, the guy who was uh, on our team, who was responsible for escorting him into the, the, the stadium, is calling me. And he's like, he's here. He's here. I got him in a golf cart. We're coming down the tunnel. And I was like, all right, get Andre Johnson out of the way. Pull up graphics so for was- Travis Scott. PA is now Travis Scott. He comes down the tunnel, literally hops off the golf cart, and is running down the tunnel oh my just to get on the field for his introduction. And didn't you guys put a jersey on him as he was Oh, we did, as running? he was running down. Yeah, it's like, absolutely your jersey, right. yep. here's your home. You got to go. go. <laughs> Nobody knew. He it's ran awesome. out of the tunnel. Nobody knew. It's just like Mr. McNair's <laughs> frame. Nobody knew it was broken you know <laughs> until what? you just told everybody. <laughs> now, But you know what? I feel, like, I feel like people need to hear these things because, you know, everybody has those moments in life where you're like, it didn't go the way I planned it to go, but... It's this happens. This happens. happens on the biggest stages of the world. It's just how you, how you react to it. Yep. Jackie, always a pleasure. Cannot wait to see what 2020 brings, especially Yay. for the games and for the halftime shows. And and you do a great job. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, girl. All right, Jackie Maldonado, director of marketing, and so much more here with the Houston Texans. Good stuff as always from Jackie. I would love to bring her back and have her tell even more stories because those are just the two that I know of. I'm sure she's got a different story every single week, but. Um, I thought it was really interesting that this was something that she did at the college level and thought, you know what, I could make a career out of this. This is this is really great stuff. I think it's always important to be looking for things that you love doing and wondering where you can where you can expand it and make it into a career. I mean, I always said I love talking. If I could make money talking, I would do it. And lo and behold, my parents laughed at me, but here I am. And now they think, hey, maybe you were onto something. So anyway, always fun to catch up with Jackie. Always fun to have you out there listening to this podcast. You can catch up with the Houston Texans. We're going to be out at the NFL Combine next week, and we're going to be covering everything from there. So the podcast may or may not happen next week, but I'll be back the week after. I've got some great guests lined up uh, through throughout this offseason. So I want you to keep listening. Tweet me at DeepSlant if you have any comments or suggestions. Give this podcast a like, subscribe, uh, leave your feedback. I always like to hear what people are saying about these interviews, and I try to bring you whatever whatever it is that may be of interest to you as Texans fans or even as someone living in the city of Houston or just wants to know what's happening out and about here at NRG Stadium. So that's going to do it for us. Thank you, as always, for listening, and as always, go Texans.